Hey friends, my name is Yaro, and you're listening to the Daydreaming Walls podcast. Really excited you're here for another episode, and I have again a really beautiful one to share. Today on the show is Tess of the City Witch. They are an amazing tarot reader. They have so many cool thoughts to share. They make zines. Um, yeah, they're just incredible, and I really love knowing them. We talked about working with Willow to process grief. Um, we talked about how both of us were at first introduced to magic. We talked about being disillusioned by binary-based approaches to magic and the tarot. We also talked about witchcraft on Tumblr and sharing radical ideas through social media. We talked about hexing your local rapist and using your phone charger for magic, working with the hermit card and generosity and abundance in our communities. So yeah, have a listen, and if you have any feedback, um, I would love to hear from you. Just a brief announcement from me, um, I'm going to be offering a new kind of reading very soon. It's not up yet, but I wanted to let you know about it, so maybe it's up by the time you're listening to this. Um, and that will be embodiment readings. So I love the idea of really thinking about how we can embody certain archetypes or energies in the tarot. That's been really helpful in my life. I really love thinking about balancing elements and working that way. So in those embodiment readings, I'm going to ask you to pick one card that you want to embody in your life at this time or in the season of your life. And I will then do a reading on how you can move closer to that embodiment. Yeah, I'm really excited about the offering and I'm going to share the link as soon as it's up on Instagram, probably, and on my website, of course. As always, if you love this show, um, I would really appreciate it if you could read it, uh, rate it on iTunes. And if you like, you can also become a Patreon at patreon.com slash daydreamingwolves. You'll receive monthly ritual kits and or access to my courses in return. And I actually also have a really big program coming up in October. It's going to be a year-long um, container called The Magic of Embodiment that's kind of like um, a more beautiful version that the ritual kids have been offering this year and that's going to go out to every single patreon at any level so yeah if you want in on that become a patreon let me know if you have any questions and enjoy the show bye hi everyone i am super happy to have tess with me today who's also known as the city witch and they have been really inspiring me on instagram for a while i have their uh, little book here um which is called oh i can't pronounce that terrible manic magic malacholic and that's the word i'm struggling with <laughs> but it's really beautiful and it looks like really cool stuff around self-care and um gender in the tarot and the politics of healing. So I'm super excited to have them here today and hope that we'll share a little bit more about what we're both thinking and feeling and wishing for. And so, yay, I'm gonna hand it over to them now so that they can introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Tess. Um, I use the pronouns they and them. Um, and I guess in terms of identifying words that I use to describe myself, um, I like to refer to myself as a retired sex worker, um, a zinster, and a tarot reader, um, mm -hmm. and a witch. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> cool, that's beautiful. Um, I always like to start conversations kind of um, grounding us in time and space since we're like sharing this conversation with mm -hmm. people that sadly can't be with us. So mm -hmm. can you tell us where you are in the world? If you're on traditional territory, maybe you can name that. Yeah. And maybe you can also tell us what nature is like around you right now. Yeah, so I am on the unceded and unsurrendered Algonquin territories. Um, and what that means is when um, colonizers came and settled on the land that I'm in, um, it was settled without any negotiations or treaties or compensation. Um, so that's what it just means by like unseated and unsurrendered. Um, also known as Ottawa, Ontario, mm -hmm. Canada. Um, so I was thinking about um, in terms of like what nature is like around me. Um, the street that I live on is called Willow Street. Mm -hmm. And um, I was listening to um, a podcast the other day that was talking about Willow um, symbolically used for grieving as plant medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, it kind of struck this chord in me because, um, 
Okay, so before I lived in the house that I live in, a friend lived here and went through a really big depressive episode and processed a lot of grief and actually can't come back to this house or come here anymore because it triggers this really big, like, mm-hmm. um, like depressive episode again. And so I was thinking about how um, living in this house right now has been really healing for me and helped me process a lot of grief mm-hmm. also. Um, and how I know that it'll be time for me to like move out of my apartment when I'm done processing that grief. Mm-hmm. Um, so there isn't necessarily a willow tree in my backyard per se, but I was just thinking, um, how poignant and uh, symbolic it is living on willow street. Um, but in terms of plants or like native plants that are kind of nearby, we have a lot of milkweed plants in the backyard, a lot of dandelions, um, and also, um, along the Ottawa river, which is about a 10 minute walk from my house, we have a lot of sumac. So in the summer I'll go like pick some sumac and make an iced tea out of it. Yeah. Cool. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, how hot is it? Is it at the moment? Um, oh, okay. So <laughs> it's really cold. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely colder cities to live in. Um, but I feel like we have like winter for eight months of the year and then summer for four months of the year. There's no like spring or fall. There's just like snow and no snow. Um, so we, I noticed yesterday, um, just this really big shift in terms of the weather. Like everyone was finally coming out of hibernation and there were like people in the streets and there was sunshine. Um, and so this morning written, well, earlier this morning, I went out for a walk, and there was a really nice, just, like, the soft, sweet, um, warm spring breeze, mm-hmm. which has been really, really nice to see. Like, my mental health, um, I have bipolar, so mm-hmm. winter is super hard, um, mm-hmm. just with, like, the lack of sunshine, um, and I feel almost like a like a flower that just, like, wilts mm-hmm. if I don't have any sunshine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's good. Cool. Thank you for sharing. No problem. Um, so I would love to know, um, you're just so magical in so many ways. And I would love to know a little bit more about how you found magic or how magic found you and like how you're integrating that in your life at the moment. Yeah. So I grew up brethren, which is similar in Christian um, sect. Uh, it's similar to like Amish or Mennonite, not quite as definitely not at all as um, secluded or um, separated from the rest of the secular world, but um, very strict kind of Christian upbringing. Um, And then when I was in, I moved away from home, like very far away from home um, for a lot of reasons. Um, And so kind of went off on my own path when I went to university Mm -hmm. and studied, it was through, I did a joint history poli-sci degree at the University of Ottawa. And we did this Mm -hmm. course on women in early medieval history Mm -hmm. and kind of studying. um, One of the main things we studied was the burning of witches or the burning of women as like being very instrumental to the rise of capitalism. Um, and one of the books that we studied was Caliban and the Witch mm-hmm. by Sylvia Federici, which I feel like I'm like always referencing and talking mm-hmm. about, but it was just, it was so like fundamental. And my introduction to witchcraft, even though the book is, the book is not like how to practice magic. Mm-hmm. It's more um, studying the like socioeconomic, political, everything that was happening in the world and the reasons why we were burning women or like, mm-hmm. um, suppressing um solidarity between women or um feminine gendered people so um yeah that that was my like introduction to magic and then it kind of turned into like buying books at this like local um it's not explicitly witchy but they have like candles and crystals and like cute old ladies doing tarot readings um so it's like buying all the like witchcraft books I could get my hands on um and and then going through a phase of being very disenchanted with a lot of the like normal practices within um the kind of magical spiritual um world of like um like being really uncomfortable with Wicca and the like feminine or uh, feminine focused um, 
practice is just as someone, not that there's anything wrong with that, but just as someone who's non-binary, it didn't resonate for me and I couldn't connect to it. So there was no magic in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tumblr was also very instrumental. And I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, I discovered witchcraft on Tumblr, but I like <laughs> had been on Tumblr since, I don't know, like I was in like elementary school or something. And then all of a sudden like logged in, logged back into my old account and found all this like huge witchcraft community on Tumblr. And, um, that's where I discovered like secular magic or secular witchcraft and like, um, witchcraft as a practice, not a religion, which has been really freeing for me as someone who grew up under religion and has a lot of kind of trauma around that. Um, so yeah, that's how I found magic or magic found me. I, I, I don't know. Both. Yeah. yeah. I, I can so relate to the Tumblr thing as well. I, I still am kind of like returning to Tumblr sometimes and it's just yeah it's just really interesting I feel like it's different than any other online community I've ever been part of and um yeah, yeah. and there's so many free spells mm-hmm. like people are like oh like where do you like where do you find spells to do or like what spells are you doing and I'm like mm-hmm. I love the DIY aspect to Tumblr because people are so willing to either share spells that they've written or mm-hmm. explain to you how they write spells. Yeah. And it's like, um, it definitely helped me move away from like, n- not that I don't uh, use other people's spells or use them as inspiration, but it made uh, my magical practice so much stronger when I wasn't just like, okay, well this spell says to use like X, Y, Z ingredients Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just gonna like go buy those because that's what it says to do mm-hmm. and not having an actual connection with like any of the ingredients that I'm using. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now I feel a lot more confident and capable of like writing my own spells or substituting ingredients when it's like use a like red candle and I'm like well I don't really feel like using a red candle that doesn't resonate with me I'm gonna use a purple candle um, <laughs> or like make my own candles yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also love tumblr because kind of everything goes on there or at least I'm not aware of stuff that's being censored and like nudity is fine and I love nudity so you know like I have had a bunch of pictures on instagram deleted for nudity and I think that's so fine on Tumblr isn't it yeah they just kind of rolled out this like NSFW uh like feature in the past couple weeks mm-hmm. I think I could be wrong on that but I do think mm-hmm. it's the past couple weeks where they're starting to filter up content they're not deleting it but mm-hmm. they just if you have like a um if you have it checked off they will no they will automatically check it off mm-hmm. on your account settings that to filter out not safe for work content mm-hmm. and then you can go into your account settings and turn that off so mm-hmm. if someone posts something that's like um considered like risque or something that mm-hmm. instagram would normally delete um mm-hmm. you can like check that off and still see it rather than mm-hmm. having it like not show up in your feed so yeah okay <laughs> thank you Cool. Um, I would also know, so we touched already a little bit on like spells and candles and I know you're into the tower. So I would love to know kind of what your current favorite magical practices are. Um, so, okay. I'm like smiling right now and laughing because I know, <laughs> I know earlier when we were talking about like, uh, just like, I don't know, general housekeeping about how this will be structured. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, I don't have anything controversial to say. And then I, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this might be controversial. Um, but I, I genuinely don't think it is. It's just mm-hmm. that I've taught a workshop on this and had like a bunch of, um, men that I think practice Wicca, but mm-hmm. they could have, I mean, I can't say that on the record. I just mm-hmm. I think that's what their like religion was or their mm-hmm. practice protest this event or this workshop that I did. It was wow. wild. Um, what? I'm but, <laughs> what you're gonna say now. And now I'm hyping it up really big and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, I'm going to say what it is and everyone's going to be like, Oh, that's not that big of a deal. It's just, um, I'm really big on hexing your local rapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, yeah. especially with so many, friends having um either it's kind of like what do we do when the justice system fails us or what do we do when we can't necessarily take direct action and uh just don't feel safe within our communities and um calling out or calling in um sexual predators like Mm -hmm. what do we do Mm -hmm. so often I will 
like, I, this isn't like a paid service ID where anyone can like call me up and be like, hey, can you fix this rapist for me? It's not like that. But like, if, you know, someone assaults my friend and my friend's like, I don't know what to do. I will offer like, Hey, we can like either do this together and it can be empowering for you too. If you, if you do want to participate or if you don't want to, I will do it on my mm-hmm. own. And, um, yeah, so I taught a workshop on it. Um, at, it's this, um, it's kind of like a queer con. It's called the Magical Girl Market. It's like all the Sailor Moon stuff and everything. So I taught a workshop on it at the Magical Girl Market and a bunch of really, uh, some local Wiccans were really angry about it. And <laughs> we're like, the, like the rule of three, the Wiccan read. And I was like, I'm sorry, that doesn't exist in my paradigm. Like, I don't have that. I'm a secular witch. Um, so yeah, I see it. It's kind of like, um, a form of direct action or which is just like activisty language for like taking um uh like taking actions rather than um putting power and or um putting power into like systems like voting for example mm-hmm. um but yeah so that's one of my favorite magical practices I don't sit around like hexing people every day I don't like giving people that impression but um for me I guess what it is magic has always been very practical for me and a tool that I use in order to like survive and navigate the world as someone mm-hmm. who is like oppressed and or marginalized in like multiple ways mm-hmm. um so hexes are really important to me um but or I call it like safe hex or um safe hexing where mm-hmm. I like all of the other things like protective magic and uh rather than just like magic like on the offense but also on the defense um Mm -hmm. is kind of tied into that but also um like money magic so Mm -hmm. um like as someone like I like uh spells that I'm constantly working and have like uh working over like multiple days kind of in sync with the moon phases or Mm -hmm. the shifting of the moon um has been like manifestation or like abundance magic just like in order to pay my bills Mm -hmm. and keep a roof over my head. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very, yeah, very practical. So, um, and then I guess I have like a lot of fun, like quirky things. Like for example, um, when I want to charge something, I'll plug my phone in to my phone charger in the wall and then like put the item on top of my phone to charge it. Oh, and then like set my phone screen with like, a picture of whatever my intention is that I'm charging the, um, the item with. So like if I'm charging like, Mm -hmm. um, like rose quartz and doing some sort of like self love ritual, um, Mm -hmm. I would put something that maybe I would put something like that I love about myself Mm -hmm. or, um, like as a picture on my phone screen and like put the crystal on, on top of that while it's plugged into my phone and then charging it with that energy. Mm-hmm. So just like like fun um I almost feel like they're like BuzzFeed like life hacks but with magic <laughs> um yeah just because it's like um so often we think of magic as like sticking our feet in the ground in some like beautiful forest and I live in the city in Chinatown like I have like I'm looking outside my window and I've got this like massive electrical phone line running by so when I'm in my like um people talk about like grounding like earthing and to go put your feet in the earth but when I do grounding it's um I can also see that phone line from or electrical line from my bathtub so Mm -hmm. I just use the energy of the electrical line in order to like ground um because that's what I have access to. So Yeah, yeah. that's really cool and beautiful. Oh, God, I love really practical stuff. I'm definitely going to do the phone charging thing. That's super yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there a tarot card at the moment that you most identify with? I think that's always like a really interesting question to ask and to see how that's changing over time as well. Yeah, so um, I'm in this really weird liminal space where I've got, like, one foot in the hermit and one foot in the Wheel of Fortune. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've been working with the hermit for the past year, like, since last summer. Um, And I'm, like, almost out of it. And I'm, like, I, I know that I'm moving. Like, the Wheel of Fortune has been showing up a lot for me, and I know that I'm moving into that. Um, But... Yeah, I'll I'll kind of 
talk about those two cards and maybe it'll make a little bit more sense by like what I mean by kind of like straddling both of them. So um, the hermit for me has shown up as a lot of um, a lot of ancestor work because the hermit is about like uh, connecting with their inner fire or Mm -hmm. I like to think of it as like um, metaphorically like uh, the the trailblazers or the fire bears that came before us and connecting that to the trailblazers and fire bears that are yet to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has, there's a lot of um, intergenerational trauma within my family surrounding ancestry. And um, especially with, as like settlers with uh, colonization and um, I don't want to like, go super in depth into this just there's a a very close family member who um is indigenous and or uh Mi'kmaq Mm -hmm. and so um while I don't identify at all or wouldn't say that like I'm Mi'kmaq there's a lot of intergenerational trauma and my like uh ancestral lines that I've been working through kind of healing um like there's a saying where if you like uh healing that you're doing in the present moment heals uh, trauma seven generations back and seven generations forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been kind of working through that. And I guess linking that back to even like how I was talking about like the street that I live on is like Willow street and is literally like meant for like um, processing grief. And I feel like when the hermit started showing up was around the same time that I moved into my apartment that I'm living in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of cool because the hermit doesn't necessarily mean that you're like alone or secluded. So like when I first moved into the hermit, I was coordinating a weekly flea market on top of like participating in a bunch of other craft shows. And Mm -hmm. like, as also like as a tarot reader, um, reading tarot and seeing people Mm -hmm. like daily. So, um, it's really, it's a really weird feeling. Like you're very, it feels very inwardly drawn and inwardly focused. Um, but you can like, I was still around a lot of people kind of like the whole saying, like you can be like, feel like lonely or alone in like a crowded room um, to be like super cheesy. It's kind of like that. Um, so kind of what we're learning or what I've learned how to do being in the hermit is, um, aligning myself with divine timing, um, and figuring out that, um, and that kind of linking that back to like figuring out my purpose and what I am supposed to be doing in this lifetime through, Mm -hmm. um, ancestor work and, um, things that my ancestors tried to figure out or accomplish and couldn't figure out in their lifetime that have been like tasks kind of passed on down to me to, to complete or heal. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, moving into the wheel of fortune um aligning with divine timing or the universe's timing is really important in the the hermit as a lesson to learn because when we're in the wheel of fortune we're learning to really deeply listen and pay attention to all of the signs so we don't miss um any sort of like divine opportunities or like opportunities that are being offered to us by the universe kind of like if we were driving um, and you have, like, a kid kicking the backseat of your, like, car, you might miss the GPS exit or might not hear it, which doesn't mean you can't, like, detour and go back. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, it's nice to not have to go through the detour. Um, so, um, it's, like, um, something that I'm learning or kind of stepping into with the Wheel of Fortune is not forcing the wheel to turn, but letting it spin on its own and like offer me things, which is not, not my style <laughs> like mm-hmm. whatsoever. So like my sun and moon are in cancer, but my rising is also Aries. And mm-hmm. I am very, like, I feel like I'm kind of going through the shift of uh, being less Aries influenced and a little bit more like of a mature cancer mm-hmm. um, because my natural way of approaching um, challenges or problems is to just kind of bulldoze them head on. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like learning to ride the wave instead of pushing against the tide, because I feel like for so long, um, I've been like, even like on a, on a larger, um, level, less related to business, but just like 
as someone who's um, non-binary and as someone who's been poor or like lived under the poverty line for most of their adult life um, and grew up working class poor, like it, it constantly feel like I've just been trying to push against the tide and like mm-hmm. break out of like a class level um, mm-hmm. or like, um, yeah, a class level that, um, yeah, just, I guess, I, like, I don't know where I was going with that, <laughs> but, like, I was breaking out of a class level, like, I was, like, about to, like, trail off into something else, but now just, like, um, yeah, like, rising up against or breaking out of something, and then so instead of pushing or breaking, breaking out, mm-hmm. breaking free, and just learning to just, like, spin, and, like, spin in midair and see what mm-hmm. happens, mm-hmm. um, rather than strategizing and trying mm-hmm. to, like, control the situation, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Sorry, go ahead. No, that's yeah. all I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really love that. Um, and I love that you kind of tie this back to what you said earlier about money magic. I really love talking about money with other people that have a working class background or experience with poverty because I feel like um, like creating stability for all of us and to share that with other people is something that's so close to my heart. And I, when I first... Um, kind of had some breathing space beyond minimum wage and I looked around myself and I was like "Ooh, like I think I really want to do something creative and work for myself I kind of like got hooked into this law of attraction world a little bit like not hooked as in like it really was love at first sight or anything like that but this is kind of what was coming at me through Facebook ads of like make six figures in three months and stuff and I I want to admit that in the beginning I was tempted by the idea of like passive income or whatever even though I didn't buy into a lot of the core ideas of that movement but sorry I'm rambling as well but what I'm trying to say is that like I'm really interested in talking with marginalized people about how we can allow ourselves to dream bigger but do so in like really sustainable and ethical ways without falling into this trap of self-blame and you know, like this, like, oh, you, maybe you just didn't wish hard enough, or maybe yeah. you just need to dream bigger. Um, and it's such a fine line, you know, like, I really want to be encouraging, and I want us to be really transparent about what it's been like for us to start our own business, and how liberating that's been in many ways, and how our privileges have also contributed to that. So being white has made it so much easier to, like, grow an Instagram following, for example, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um yeah, I think there's just so much complexity to that conversation around like the wheel of fortune and abundance and like how we work with the things that we have available to us. So I'm really glad you talked about it. The law of attraction (laughs) always makes my skin crawl um, Mm -hmm. just because it reminds me of the like the prosperity gospel like Joel Osteen and like the evangelical churches of like oh if you just like pray hard enough and you're like a good Christian God will bless you Mm -hmm. and then it's like literally like the exact same thing of like well if you just manifest or like if you just think good thoughts um you'll like manifest abundance and if you're not manifesting abundance and you're poor well that's your own fault because Mm -hmm. you're just thinking really negatively and I'm like (laughs) like the law of attraction people, um, not to generalize them as pagans, but mm-hmm. I guess like for lack of a lack of a better word, um, I'll just say law of attraction people and Christians both really dislike each other, yeah. but then there's so many similarities between them. And I'm like, you guys, you're both, you're doing the same thing and you don't even realize that you're just kind of like pointing fingers, like you're the wrong person or you're like, you have mm-hmm. the wrong faith. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess all of that to say, just like when I talk about like money magic, I don't mean the law of attraction and I don't mean I'm like sitting around like thinking like positively about money in order to manifest (laughs) it. Um, I'm not like, yeah, I'm not manifesting six figures. I'm really just um, (laughs) making sure I hopefully pay my bills on time, maybe a day or two late. Um, But yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for clarifying. (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, that's cool. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I think, um, yeah, like you said, like it is, that's very intertwined. And, um, and I do think like, I want to think about the ways that I think about money while at the same time, just staying with the fact that we're living under capitalism. That's 
truly brutal and violent and horrible and right now I don't really see how I directly can escape that <laughs> but but yeah. I do want to like make the most of what we have and and I also feel like there's so much abundance that isn't directly financial in our communities like I think I saw you posting the other day about uh, trading a lot I do that too and I really love yeah. it and I just have like an experience of abundance in our communities and like there's so much generosity and um I mean, I don't want to say that I never, ever feel competition or jealousy, but compared to like the world I've been coming from of like being employed and like fighting really hard over freelance minimum wage jobs and, you know, and being at uni, like that kind of like really highly competitive environments, I feel like oh, just often have moments of falling asleep feeling deeply mushy about the people around me, you know, like you and just being like, Ooh, you know we trade stuff and we support each other and even if some of us are offering similar stuff I've never really felt direct competition or people being like mm, you know yeah it's kind of I think the the shift that kind of happened when working with the wheel of fortune and the hermit was understanding that everyone is deserving of abundance or mm -hmm. everyone is deserving of like a roof over their head and food on their plate and clothes on their backs simply because we're human and those are human needs we have mm -hmm. um and that kind of a lot of what I found in learning the tarot is actually an unlearning of this kind of capitalist idea of scarcity and that there isn't enough to go around um and it like we can even look at that on like a more practical, like economic level. Um, I was watching a documentary about how we're starting to go into the third industrial revolution because everything is being automated. Um, mm -hmm. And we have like robots and AIs doing all of this labor for us. So we actually don't need to physically do labor and operate machinery in order to create wealth and create money and how there's literally no link um, like going into the future or in the next couple decades, there, there won't be a link anymore between having to do a job in order to create wealth. Mm -hmm. um, and that just kind of like, literally like, how's the society, how are we going to navigate this idea that we don't have, like, we don't have the American dream anymore. The like mm -hmm. work hard to earn money. Mm -hmm. um, and then you'll be like, well off. You don't mm -hmm. have like, uh, our, um, the labor that we can produce or the capital that we can produce um, isn't linked anymore to um, how worthy we are of, of wealth or happiness and um, security and safety and like financial security. Um, so, and that kind of being um, also the way that I approach the framework for the major arcana. So like, um, Rachel Pollack was the one who I think kind of pioneered splitting the major arcana into three lines. So the transition, like, um, and she refers to it as our conscious, our subconscious, and our superconscious. Mm -hmm. Or um, I know Lindsay Mack talks about it as our transition from ego into soul, from our to, to like our soul identity. Um, and I guess the way that I kind of look at it, heavily influenced by like. Um, my political background in discovering witchcraft or discovering magic has been um, through our individual, um, I guess, identity or individualism and the like American dream and thinking that we need to like check off all these check boxes of like mm -hmm. um, going to university and like getting a degree and getting a nine to five with benefits um, and going through this shift um, and the second line of the major arcana of realizing like, oh wait, I actually deserve abundance and success just because I'm human and like we all deserve these things. Um, and then once we get over that fear and like rewire that relationship to scarcity a little bit, we're able to like move away from how can I have my needs met and like what do I need to do? What checkboxes do I need to do to like, or check off in order to meet my needs into like, how can I be of service? Because I know that my needs will always be met. Um, and it was something I honestly just kind of learned through trial and error of like mm. going through days where I was like, I don't have money for my next meal or like I have $2 in my bank account and I don't know when I'm going to get my next paycheck or, um, yeah. And just realizing like the universe has always had my back. It like in the end, it always worked out and I managed to survive. 
Um, and I think it just took like a couple of years of working through the trauma of that um, to finally kind of get to a place where I feel a little, a lot more comfortable in terms of my relationship with money or like my relationship with abundance and financial security. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know that you also really care about accessibility and we kind of touched on that. Um, so I would love to hear what you would like anyone to know that's feeling a bit shy about like reading the cats for themselves or making their own magic. I feel like I've been like shouting from the rooftops, like magic is your birthright, like forever. Um, but yeah, it, it came to me kind of linking it back to what you briefly mentioned with like competition and feeling like there was this um, competitive mindset being pushed through social media and the spiritual world of like, um, you have to do like XYZ accreditation to be a tarot reader, mm -hmm. um, or you have to um, practice tarot like a certain way or have like X amount of followers to be like a real tarot reader. Um, and through kind of like working through all of that personally and like uh, working through my own ego and how it's attached to all of that, I realized like magic is, is our, like our birthright. Like it's not something that, um, people can take away any sort of access from, like, it's not like you're going to get like paywalled or something, um, and trying to access magic. It's something we carry in our bodies and in our bones. Um, and kind of like, um, it was really empowering for me because I under or started to understand um, how how much power I had in terms of shaping the immaterial and material world that like surrounded me. Um, yeah, that's just kind of my like. I feel like that's turned into my like slogan, and I'm not even ashamed of it anymore because it's such a good like. Yeah. Just, like warm and nice thing to say to people, <laughs> yeah. even if it's a little cheesy. No, but, I think it's, yeah, it's the good kind of cheesy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also know you call yourself a collective tarot reader. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what that means to you? Yeah, so I guess, well, in a, so there's like a logical way of talking about it. And I really loved how you phrased it um, when we talked before about like what feels good about saying those words, because it takes it out of the context of like, well, this is a logical branding thing of like, everyone <laughs> says like, they're like an intuitive tarot reader or like a soul tarot reader. And I was like, shit, I need like, I need a way to describe my tarot practice to like, brand it or something because like we live in capitalism and unfortunately have to have a brand in order to sell tarot readings mm -hmm. but um yeah in terms of what feels good about it um I guess it's the kind of working with um part of it okay so part of it came from me figuring out how I wanted to frame the major arcana personally and my like practice of moving from our, the individual to the collective mm -hmm. and that being like a really underlying um, theme and how I practice um, or interpret the tarot cards kinds mm -hmm. of sets up how I interpret like all of the individual tarot cards. Um, but also um, in terms of what feels good about it, it, um, it's kind of like working with the whole as above, so below concept or that the immaterial um, and intangible things in life are reflected outwards into the external or material touchable things. So that means an act of healing myself is also an act of healing the collective. Um, mm -hmm. And that why, like sometimes I wish I could just like drop the terror reader uh, moniker and just be like, oh, like I'm like a collective healer. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know that that's not, um, uh, that's a little, not that there's anything wrong with being a little woo-woo, but I really love, um, making magic, um, and woo-woo spiritual things really practical and accessible and real life for people and kind of bridging that gap. So I know if I started calling myself like a collective healer, people would be like, <laughs> I wouldn't be like reaching the, the, um. The, I guess, like, demographic or the other kind of, like, working class or people um, mm -hmm. or other marginalized people who would be, like, 
collective healer. Like that's like some weird mumbo jumbo bullshit. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of where I come from or my like mindset in, in calling myself like a collective tarot reader or like a folk tarot reader. Um, and that it's like a tool for the collective for healing. Um, and that, and what I mean by like an active healing myself is an active healing the collective um, is kind of like my psychiatrist refers to it as an emotional bank. So it's this concept that um, like normally what we do is we take money out of our emotional bank in order to achieve a difficult task and then put money in afterwards and like go treat ourselves to like ice cream or something. Um, but instead my psychiatrist had me doing nice things or kind things for myself first and like acts of healing first to put money into my emotional bank so that I had funds to withdraw money from my emotional bank mm -hmm. afterwards in order to do the difficult things. So I know that, um, um, like at least half of my tarot practice as like a tarot reader who reads for strangers, um, is doing, putting money in my emotional bank and doing mm -hmm. acts of healing for myself because I can't be of service um, and help facilitate healing or help guide people on their own healing journeys if I don't have the spoons um, to, like, use, like, chronic um, illness language or if I don't have the money in my emotional bank already mm -hmm. to do that. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's just, yeah. like, what I meant by, like, this, like, really esoteric, like, mm -hmm. an act of healing myself is an act of healing the collective. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's really awesome. Thank you. Um, I would also know, uh, love to know, so I know this is like a really vague and broad question, but what are you wishing for our collective healing at the moment? Um, okay, so I had a lot of fun actually thinking about this ahead of time right. because, um, okay, so we have this whole um, like joke that white people can't dance. Um, and I was listening to this, this is going to make sense in a second, I promise. Um, I was listening to this other podcast, um, and they were talking about, and I feel bad because I literally, I'm really big on naming like ancestry and lineage and like where we get ideas from. And I like was going through all of my notes in my journal and I never wrote down where I got this, um, from, but I do know it's a fairly, um, common kind of discourse or discussion that's mm -hmm. happening right now um but that um white people especially colonizers on lands like as like someone who's a settler on lands that that aren't my homelands um we carry a lot of trauma in our pelvis from mm -hmm. that from that disconnect um and so often we like we do things like um cultural appropriation and like smudging or um wearing headdresses or just like taking mm -hmm. aspects from other cultures and from their ancestral traditions because we have this craving for like our own ancestral traditions and like wanting wanting um wanting that connection um and so that kind of tied into um healing like this fear of the pelvis like, we have a lot of fear around, like, sexuality or, like, the pelvic region, mm -hmm. um, whether that's, like, you could link that back to, like, um, the Salem witch trials mm -hmm. and, or, like, even the burning of witches, like, earlier um, and um, a couple hundred years before that in Europe, or, um, yeah, just, like, hearing, healing, um, kind of linking it back to the whole, like, inactive healing myself is inactive healing the collective. I have been working through a lot of healing, um, and the trauma that I'm carrying in my pelvic region, um, or in my pelvis. And like, that's as simple as, um, I know things are getting really mentally not so great for me when I get, my hips start to get really tight and I'll like wake up some mornings and literally can't move my like lower back. And I've done nothing to like throw my back out. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just that I'm not, I'm getting too caught up with life and not remembering to like take care of myself, um, in terms of, uh, healing the trauma that I'm carrying in my hips mm -hmm. and, um, and have to, you know, okay, like go back to the yoga mat and do a whole bunch of like hip opening stretches and like work through all the tightness and all the knots. And then like all of the feelings that come up and bubble up from the surface, mm -hmm. um, as I'm doing that, um, and processing that. So, um, it's been like, 
through um, studying and um, yeah, through studying the trauma that I carry in my pelvis and studying like how our like very Puritan society is like afraid of like the pelvic region Mm -hmm. and it's like taboo to talk about certain things in terms of like sex. But then also on the other hand, like, um, like capitalized and, um, uh, like trendy or, mm, I'm looking for a word and I can't find it. Um, like co-opted almost, Mm -hmm. um, to like companies will sell you like this, like revolutionary, like, um, sex positivity, but they're really just selling you a product and they're not selling Mm -hmm. you or providing or facilitating any sort of healing around mm-hmm. um, our fear of the pelvis. So, yeah, I guess, like, right now, that's my biggest wish for myself, and it also translates to um, my biggest wish for other people, especially for, like, white people who are settlers um, mm-hmm. and, and are carrying a lot of ancestral trauma and mm-hmm. finding it really difficult to work through that and engaging in, in harmful acts like cultural appropriation um, or co-opting of other religions and traditions rather than, um, healing the disconnect that they have with their own, um, ancestry and traditions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you said that. I think there's so much to say about like how, I mean, this is not like contradicting anything what you said and just adding to it kind of, um, in the last couple of weeks have been like seeing so much anxiety around talking about cultural appropriation and, um, just like, yeah I think like there's so much tension that comes up for people when it's being brought up and I really want to speak about it more and I want to like you know bring my friends in or you know talk about it on on the platform that I have and um and I feel so strongly that like white guilt and shame are Mm -hmm. in itself not like transformative or justice bringing emotions like they are really valid and like part of the experience but we have to work with them and really make that our own work and not the work of the of you know people of color that are affected Mm -hmm. with the root problem so um I think it's great that we are talking about it between us and thinking about ways of working with that and reconnecting with um the things that feel grounding to us and bring us to a place where we feel rooted in our own practices and don't have to steal anymore and can make reparations instead Mm -hmm. and really um yeah dismantle the white supremacy that we're part of yeah (sighs) (laughs) like Um, really intense conversation topic but yeah (laughs) yeah um I want to respect your time but there's one last question I would really love to ask um which is uh what is exciting you the most about breaking uh, gender binaries in the tarot down yeah well okay so I guess most of it is like a fairly uh selfish motivation or reason because it's just like finding a way that tarot actually applies to me in a way that it will like um resonate and how it's relevant because um for so long I was looking at um tarot and trying to fit myself into the picture or like find resources where I was like oh like here's a way of interpreting the tarot cards in a way that's like um applies to like genderqueer um folks and then eventually um I was talking with with Lindsay Mack of Wild Soul Healing and Tarot for the Wild Soul and she was talking about how like okay, well, like, maybe if these resources don't exist, or if you can't find the books or the tarot theory that you're looking for, then you should probably just go, like, write it yourself, Mm -hmm. um, because, like, that means, that's, like, a gap that needs to be filled, and someone Mm -hmm. needs to start, like, writing about this or talking about this, um, and I feel like a lot of what I'm doing, I, I don't feel like I'm, like, being, like, oh, well, this is an alternative approach to the tarot, it's more of, like, breaking down the cards into what their, like, core, their, like, core essence or, like, their core archetypes are, rather than, like, like, we talk a lot about gender as a social social Mm -hmm. construct, so I feel like when we are looking at the tarot cards through their gender, it's a very, like, surface-level interpretation of them, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, like, what is the medicine that's actually, like, in this card, like, what lesson is it here to teach me, Um, Mm -hmm. or, like, what medicine is it offering, or what healing is it bringing, rather than, like, um, what is like a a gendered analogy 
that I can eat. Like, I mean, the, at least the way that I'm looking at uh, gender in the tarot, it's just like an analogy, same as like, I, okay, so I like to use elements um, and focus more on like the elemental correspondences of tarot cards. So like fire energy or like water energy or earth energy. Um, and I understand that um, when we talk about gender in tarot, it's just another energy that we're describing, mm-hmm. like feminine or masculine. Um, and I feel like in terms of pop culture in tarot, we've kind of taken that into like, a like woman card or man card. Um, and, and I'm not necessarily opposed to being like, well, this is like feminine energy because feminine energy doesn't necessarily mean woman or female. Um, but I found it really personally helpful in like my own personal tarot practice and also in reading tarot for other like um, gender queer folks to look at the tarot cards beyond like that and um beyond using masculine feminine um Mm -hmm. coded language or masculine feminine like energetic descriptions yeah yeah that makes sense thank you um and honey I would love to know what you're currently offering where people can find you yeah um okay so I do tarot readings in my home in Chinatown over Skype and um, I just started doing tarot readings on Tuesdays now at the store in Ottawa in the Byron Market called Milk Shop. Um, they don't sell milk. It's a clothing store. <laughs> and then, so um, I also wanted to kind of touch on, um, like, I have flat rates for tarot readings, um, but I also offer a sliding scale. And that works, too, like, online. So basically, we do the tarot reading, and then you can, like, PayPal or e-transfer me, whatever you can comfortably afford. Um, and I'm also super done with trades, which I've actually been doing a lot of for like long distance Skype readings, mm-hmm. um, which has been really cool. Cause I'm getting like presents in the mail. I love it. <laughs> um, and then you can find me. Um, oh, and then, oops, I'm jumping ahead. I also <laughs> forgot. I just finished writing, um, a zine series on how I interpret the tarot cards kind of like from a more political, um, gender queer um perspective so um i've got the zine series on my website which is um www.thecitywitch.ca and you can um you can also that's where you go to book tarot readings um and then you can find me on instagram at at city x witch um and um yeah and then i guess my email is info at the citywitch.ca so like i know sometimes people like to connect after a terror after a um like a podcast interview and give feedback and stuff like that which i'm super open to but i'm having a really hard time with my instagram dms so yeah i would definitely recommend emailing me um so i don't like miss it and then you don't think i'm this like asshole who like ignores the instagram dms and is yeah so Okay, great. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love talking to you. And yeah, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, this is super fun. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed the show. And if you did, I would really appreciate a review on iTunes. That's making it a lot easier for other people to find a show. And, you know, they might benefit from it too. And it's just beautiful to share these conversations with as many people as possible. If you want to support the show financially, you can also become a Patreon at patreon.com slash which gets you access to monthly ritual kits as well as courses and regular readings by me. I will link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much.